making brands and sales of SA's entertainment industry. Business of Entertainment with Martin Myers on Cape Talk. On Cape Talk. Good evening and welcome to Cape Talk, the business of entertainment. It's just past 9pm on Thursday and it's our time to dive into the machine that makes the entertainment magic with me, your host, Martin Myers. I look forward to welcoming you into my world of the business of entertainment for the next 30 minutes. So stay tuned. We promise you won't be disappointed if you are invested in the same way we are. We bring in guests to have a fireside chat to talk about what they are doing in the entertainment business to inspire and influence us all. If you're new to the broadcast, we're here to talk about the business side of the entire entertainment space for the next 30 minutes. You can always WhatsApp us on 072-567-1567. You can tweet us or X us at Cape Talk. And I'm delighted because last week was so fabulous. I said to him, you're coming back. And he's back. Robert Plummer, the senior managing editor of Penguin Nonfiction. That's Penguin Random House biggest book publisher in the world got an almighty cv if you want to listen to the episode from last week you can always go to the cape talk podcast page under the business of entertainment and you can search for robert Plummer. he is not a plumber i had to get that in it's self-deprecating humor from my part he brought his books back again and we thought this week we'll dive into the monster books without any of the nonsense that he's had the privilege of publishing and working on and editing and looking at. I want to start with one that I think we all know incredibly well, The Republic of Gupta, a story of state capture, Peter Louis Mayberg. Was that one of the first mega sellers in South Africa, this book? Martin, hi. Um, Thank you for coming back, by the way. Sorry. A great pleasure. Um, Martin, no, there had been... um, there had been some pretty huge sellers before, but that was a that was a very successful book. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, it, it came out in 2016, mm-hmm. and 2016 was the year in which we really became aware of state uh, uh, c- uh, c- capture um, and what was going wrong in our in in our state. Um, and I think it was one of the first books to. to to tell that story, um, and so it sold incredibly well. Um, it was followed uh, three years later by um, by the same author's book on Ace Magashule, mm-hmm. um, uh, and that book sold a large number of copies, a larger number of copies, um, and I think it had a lot to do with the... Um, with the response uh, at that first launch, and last week you were you were asking about book launches and and yes. and, and whether they they they're successful. Um, the book launch for for this book, uh, uh, Gangster State, um, was a was an unbelievable experience. I wasn't there, but what happened was apparently um, uh, ANC Youth League. M- members came and started grabbing books and 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 ripping them up and um the the launch had to shut down and um and in the following week there there was a poster that was threatening book burnings mm-hmm. um which is a really astonishing thing um and because of that um i think people really became aware of the book and wanted to know what 
what it was about and 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 why there was that that response and um you know i always think that for a book to to really take off there needs to be a perfect storm there almost needs to be an external event that 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 works with the book itself you were asking last week about whether we have a reading culture yes and um the truth of the matter is that the books that sell really well are the books that break through the traditional reading market and and um and become known by and bought by uh non non readers um and i think that that would be an example so it was a book that became an an event in itself you mentioned last week as well nielsen to look at the stats in terms of books and sales and all of that do you guys do a, do a lot of research in terms of who your potential reader is that reading market that is there and and have we got a got a figure of sort of how big that reading market is in south africa yeah look i think i mentioned um last time that 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 in that previous week um 120,000 books had been sold through the through through, through the bookstore channels um i think it might have been 128,000 um we can we can look at those numbers and look at the product classes of the books and see how many are fiction how many are um history how many are uh sport how many are um self-help mind body spirit etc etc so one can always analyze and see where where the trends are and there are some large scale trends mm-hmm. so for example um sadly for me um serious non-fiction uh in 2020 globally um uh had a bit of a knock um and people were much more interested in turning to escapist fiction um for for ob- obvious reasons because the world became a a scary place um and um so one can look at those long-term trends there will always be there will always be books that that break the trend um and the Andre de Reyta book is a classic example of one that 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 broke through the um sort of slight downward trend for 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 serious non non-fiction can we go you brought it up Andre de Reyta the book the ink wasn't even dry i think the truck hadn't even offloaded the book into the bookstore and boom my pdf arrived on my phone what how what is the response to that because it's basically theft someone's intellectual property is now being surfed all over whatsapp yeah so whenever we release a major book um it's almost inevitable that that a uh pdf uh conversion doing the, the rounds um and it's something that we condemn um it's obviously um illegal to to distribute that um and it is a breach of the author and the publisher's intellectual property um one could say that it's also a sign that a book is doing well mm-hmm. that people are bothering to do that um and also i really think that um if you look at those pdfs they are they are cracked from the ebook so it's a pdf in an incredibly small font that you generally reading on your phone or maybe your laptop um and they're pretty awful to read um there's something about a traditional book 
that is so much more appealing. Um, and all I can hope with those uh, uh, pirated copies is that somebody who receives one will delete it and not forward it. And and because they now know about the book, that they'll go out and buy it and have a much more pleasant and legal experience of reading it. I look at all the books that you've brought in kindly tonight, um, Gangster State, The Presidents, we've talked about Letters of Stone last week, and I note they're all, I would call them, correct me if I'm wrong, um, soft cover. Yeah. Um, United Kingdom, Europe, America particularly, you see a lot of books. I remember when I got the U2 book, um, hardcover. Yeah. Is that a cost issue in South Africa? Why it's done soft cover? It is, is a, a cost purely issue. cost issue. Yeah, it is a cost issue. Um, we used to do more books in hardcover, um, but the print cost of a hardcover book is approximately double a soft cover, which is astonishing because all of the insides are the same, but it's just the cost of the cover. In preparation, preparation again, when I had the honor of coming to your offices in Canal Walk, um, we talked at length about music because we're on the business of entertainment. If you're just joining us, it's the, the beautiful voice of Robert Plummer, managing editor, nonfiction books for Penguin Random House Strike. Um, Martin, some of the music books you said to me, beautiful, don't do well. And one you were disappointed in, if I, if I may say. You said fabulously written, there was a movie. It won an Oscar. Sugar Man, The Life and Death and Resurrection of Stixo Rod Rodriguez by Craig Bartholomew Stradham and Stephen Sugar Siegerman. How did that not get away when it had all these accolades and everything else around it? You and I and I think thousands of listeners have grown up with this man's music. He was definitive in South Africa. Is that a missed opportunity for the, the consumer who's listening tonight? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it did badly, but um, you know, if you consider what that what that book was, and it really is a marvelous, marvelous book. There's so much more there that than there was in the movie. Um, I would have ex expected it to do better, um, and um, we have found generally that music books don't do quite as well as we would like. Um, I think one exception. Um, recently was the Johnny Clegg book, um, which unfortunately we didn't do, but I mean, it was a very, very worthwhile book. And he is such an icon um, that um, that book sold, sold like it should have. Mm -hmm. um, I would have expected Sugar Man to do a little bit better, um, also about an icon um, who had a a great impact on South African society. But it's not a missed opportunity. The book is still freely available in stores and that people should go and turn it over. Am I right? That's right, yeah. And if it's not available in store, it's certainly available on, on online. How important has that online market become? You mentioned earlier when we talked about um, Andre de Reiter, that people pirated it from an e-book. Has that revolutionized or stopped people perhaps running into store to pick up a physical copy i'd rather read it online yeah so i mean obviously we we're drawing a distinction between the 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 illegal pdf and the and the, the legal, legal and the legal absolutely and the legal, legal yeah. e ebook yes um the the e which you read on your kindle or 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 on your tablet um some people prefer that um and um 
There was a time when ebooks first emerged where people were talking about the fact that print books days were numbered. Um, and in the same way that now uh, people aren't buying CDs I- I- anymore, um, the days of the print book were, were, were numbered. Um, and it hasn't happened. It's, it's proved to be a, an incredibly resilient um, form of product. In preparation for our discussion, if you've just tuned in, it's on the business of entertainment on a Thursday night, speaking to Robert Plummer, who is the senior managing editor nonfiction for Penguin Random House. And we're talking about books and what you need to do, because there's so many choices one has in the entertainment economy. But you mentioned, funnily enough, sport books fly off the shelves. I never knew Victor Matfield's book sold by the bucketful and Herschel... Gibbs's book sold by the bucketful. You were involved. There must be a story. Come, unload, please. Yeah. So there was a time when the the sport biography was the most successful um, genre of book around. Um, it's it it's changed. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a few quite successful sport books recently, but um, I think back to the glory days of the of the two thousands. Um, the great one was. Um, was uh, Jake White's autobiography in, uh, in by Black Craig Ray. Ray? Yeah, so Craig Ray is um, is an excellent writer, um, and I mean I have to say that um, not all journalists are 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 sort of suited to write long long form books um, because a journalist is used to writing a short five hundred words. Yeah, <laughs> and all the important stuff need needs to be up 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 there uh, at the start. Um, which isn't good for for, for a longer narrative, um, but Craig really gets what makes a good na- narrative, and um, and the Jake White story was really interesting because he was kind of holding on by his by his uh, f- fingernails to his job. Um, there was a lot of interference from from the administrators. We were going into a rugby world cup. Nobody expected us to do well at all. Can I interrupt? The all-black game in Rustenburg saved his bacon when Rodney Sawalo went over and gave away that penalty and Jake's life was saved as a Springbok coach. But carry on, we exactly. digress. I was there at that game. That's why I know. Exactly. So, I mean, that's how um, that's how he, he only just managed to hold on to his job. And um, and so it was a great story of, of, a, of a coach who was um, – uh, who who really cared about his players, who was dealing with a, a meddling administration, going into this World Cup as underdogs. And um, and we um, we had an agreement that that um, Craig would write the the book up to the the World Cup, and then presumably we'd be we'd be thrown out in the quarterfinals <laughs> or something. Um this was this was two thousand and seven. Yeah. Um, in France, yeah, and um, and then we just kept on winning and winning and winning, and eventually we went into the final. I mean, I remember watching, I think, the quarterfinal with my wife, and we were playing against Fiji, mm. um, and at one stage it looked like we might lose, and she was cheering the underdog, and I said, "No, but the book, the book." <laughs> <laughs> um, That's fabulous. Anyway, we won that World Cup amazingly, and um, now you got to get a book out. Yeah, how far were you in that process? How far was the book? Was it sort of, in inverted commas, ready to go or not? So um, 
that book was, I think, in total more than 100,000 words long, which mm. is a fairly sort of average to, to hefty length. Mm. Um, and um, we received the last 25,000 words of, of, of that ma- manuscript only after the final whistle blew um, over the next few days. And where we normally take um, four months to, to produce a book before it goes to the printer, we turned those 25,000 words around in 10 days. So we had to edit, we had to typeset, we had to proofread, we had to legal check, we had to index, and off it went to print. The printers printed that book in about two and a half weeks. And so we had it on shelves um, a month after the final whistle blew. And I think people must have received multiple copies as Christmas presents because we sold over 200,000 copies. Um, which in a South African context is absolutely astonishing. You're one of one of your highlights in your publishing career. That, oh, that, that, that perfect storm coming together. It was great. It was great fun. And um, yeah, I mean, it was. You know, it's wonderful when you work on a book that you that you think is good and it does incredibly well uh, uh, commercially. Do I mean we see it all over the world? The top sports stars sometimes in the in the middle of their careers, um, bringing out books. Do do the sports stars realize that this could perhaps be their thirteenth check book signings every year for Christmas to Dad and this and that from the family and all of that? Do they understand what they have in them? Because some of the stories are incredibly unique. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you mention sports stars who, who, who bring out books in the middle of their career, I think of Herschel Gibbs. Mm-hmm. Um, Herschel Gibbs brought out an autobiography that somebody else wrote, as is normally the case with these kinds of books, mm-hmm. um, in the middle of his career. Um, and then we, we, we brought out another one um, when he was pretty much at the end of his career. Um, that one was written by, by a writer called Steve Smith, who, who, who really managed to, to um, sort of uh, capture Herschel's voice. Um, interestingly, um, Herschel had um, quite, quite proudly said that he'd never read a book in his life. Um, and I don't even think that he... Um, had read the proofs of his first autobiography, but he did read the proofs of the second one, which I think makes Herschel the only person I know who's written more books than he's read. <laughs> Robert, what are are you reading? You must have a list, or do you manage to shut off when you go home to spend family time with the family? Do you have a list? I see a lovely pen and paper with some notes there. Pray tell, please. Stuff that you perhaps have published, and stuff that you think is good that we as listeners tonight should go and look for? Yeah, so I mean, reading, uh, it's an interesting question. Uh, uh, my, my work involves a great deal of reading. So I'm reading manuscripts, I'm reading proofs, I'm reading manuscripts that, are, um, that, that we're weighing up to see if we want to publish or not. Um, so, hold on, hold on, you're hmm. reading manuscripts. It's the computers, it's tablets, it's everything else. Are you reading it on the modern technology or do you actually sit with a printed copy, A4 pages, and go through line by line, ruler by ruler, the comma, the where, the there, etc.? How does that process work? Yeah, so it depends where we are in the process. Um, I actually do both. Um, so if I am... Uh, proofreading a book, then, then I, I 
I, I like to have a printout um, and to and, and to mark it up by hand. If I'm doing the earlier state, which is which is reading a manuscript um, and 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 maybe editing a man- manuscript, um, then um, I generally have a first go on screen mm-hmm. because it's quite laborious to you know mark in red ink. Um, what you want to change in a sentence, and then at a later stage you've got to actually go and do that on 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 screen. So it makes sense to do that first run um, on a on a laptop. Um, but I always like to, at some stage, read read a printout. Those books on this list that you have, I interjected, but I thought it was incredibly important for us to understand that important process. The books, please. Yeah. So I mean, in terms of um, in terms of what I'm reading, ob- obviously a lot of reading is involved in my in my work. So um, I, I suppose the sad thing is one goes into this business because you like reading, and I actually have very little time to to read or or very little energy um, to read books other than my workbooks. Um, so I will go through long stretches reading nothing um, apart from my 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 work stuff. Um, and um, you know, it's only really when I'm on holiday or if there's a long weekend that I'm um, reading for pleasure. Mm-hmm. A little bit like the bus man's holiday. <laughs> um, but um, I, I recently read the new um, Ian McEwan novel, um, Lessons, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to reading the new J.M. Kutsia, The Pole. Um, I tend to read fiction for pleasure, whereas my 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 work involves non nonfiction, um, and if I do read nonfiction, it's quite often. I mean, I'm also reading an old book about the American West called "Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee," um, which is about the um, the uh, decline of the Native Americans uh, in the American West. If I had to put you on the spot. Um we're coming to the end of our discussion tonight. Over the last two weeks, it's been beautiful with um, Robert Plummer from Penguin Random House. A favorite book or a favorite author, a favorite piece of work that you've contributed to, putting it out for South African audiences to listen to, that define Robert Plummer? So I think um, I think a book that that many more people need to read is History of South Africa by by Tula Simpson. Um, he's one of our great young historians. He's at the University of Pretoria, and he's written a history that goes from 1902 until 2021, which is when the book uh, came out, all based on new r- research in the archives, and it really is an amazing story. Um, there's also Black Beach by by. Daniel, Daniel Janssen von Rendsburg. He he brought them all in. I've yeah. got them in front of me. So this guy this guy spent 491 days in one of the worst African prisons, um, and it's a story about how he how he survived that. Um, he was on an island called M- Malabo off the coast of West West Africa after falling foul of the local politicians, um, and it really is an astonishing story of survival. Um, it's written in the first person um, through through his voice, so you really get um, the experience of what he went through. It's an un- unbelievable read. Has it been made into an audiobook at all, or just 
pick up the hard copy like I'm looking at it now. It has been made into an audiobook, yes. So what would you suggest the person does? Picks up the read or listens to the audiobook? And is the audiobook in his voice? It's not his book his his, his, his voice. voice. It's a it's a um it's a it's a voice actor. Um it's very unusual for 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 authors to do their own audiobooks. Um you know, we we really don't mind um, if you if you buy the book or the ebook or the audio book. Um, uh, it's essentially the same to us. It's a it's a sale, and um, and different people like to consume books in different ways, and uh, we like to encourage all, all of those. I'm picking up the two books that you referenced: Tula Simpson, History of South Africa from 1902 to the Present, and then Black Beach, 491 Days in One of Africa's Most Brutal Prisons. How important is that cover image and sourcing it? Because these both just jump out at us. I mean, it's 20 past nine at night. And they're staring me in the face and I'm going, wow, I need to pick these up. I need to, to read them. How important is that? It is important. And it's, um, I think it's one of the hardest aspects of my job um, because it's the one element of a book where everybody has a say. Um, so obviously you want the author t to be happy with, with the cover, um, but it also needs to be approved by quite a lot of, um, uh, people at, at the company. So the sales and marketing directors and the CEO and so on need to, need to approve it. Um, and it does sometimes happen that we have a, a kind of a little bit of a conflict between, between our views and the author's view, um. We, we feel that we know what sells. Um, and sometimes an author wants something on the cover which which isn't we know is not going to work. Um, having said that, sometimes we, with hindsight, we, we realize we, ha we haven't quite managed to get it right. Um, it, it's, a, it's a hard thing. Um, and you know it, it, it involves a great deal of design skill. Um, and as you say, you want that cover to jump off and um, grab you by the throat in the bookstore. We're coming to the end of two delightful weeks with Robert Plummer, um, managing editor, Penguin Random House, nonfiction. A big distinction between nonfiction and fiction. Any closing thoughts for creatives out there in terms of pitching? You said everybody's got a story, like everybody can sing. Some needs to stay in the bath. That. <laughs> You, you 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 want people to take out yeah look I mean we 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 receive a lot of emails um, where somebody says um, please find my my nonfiction proposal and um, we probably need to specify this on our website but that email that that what's known internationally as a query letter um, is actually supposed to be the well, it's the most important thing that you write. Um, it needs to be something that demands the attention of the publisher. Um, so to say, please find my, my, my proposal is not a compelling thing. You need to distill what it is that you've written and you need to, you need to say, this is what my book is about. This is why it's important. This is why you have to publish. And doing that will probably focus your mind. I mean, it's a, it's something that you need to think earlier on in the writing process. What exactly am I writing here? Who wants to read it? Is it just my friends and family? 
or is this something that strangers are going to be interested in? What can I do to make it more appealing to them? And think really hard and really honestly about whether the book you're writing is something that that will have mass mass appeal. And um, it's not a bad idea to to do some research on writing and what makes a good book, and maybe even do a creative writing class if you're that way inclined. It's been absolutely thrilling the last two weeks having you in. I can assure you the business of entertainment, that door is always open. If you've got more gems and stories, I think you've inspired us all to to pick up and to understand that reading and is important in the business of entertainment. Robert, I'm delighted that you gave up your time and I'm proudly going to say it's the first interview he's ever done on radio and it happened on the business of entertainment. I'm also proudly going to say it's the first Rhodes Scholar we've ever had in on this show. We've had a couple of doctors, but not a Rhodes Scholar. Robert, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank, Thank you for you, coming Martin. tonight. It's been delightful. Thank you. Making brands and sense of SA's entertainment industry. Business of Entertainment with Martin Myers on K Talk. On K Talk.